When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. And this week, it comes from Matt Kendrick from the Claret and Blue podcast, the podcast down for Birmingham Live covering Aston Villa, Newcastle. Head down to Villa Park on Tuesday for an 8.15pm kickoff. Yes, they're back to the Premier League following FA Cup victory over Fulham. Matt, thank you very much for popping up the podcast. Are you keeping well? I am, yeah. Just I've, I've, you saying, reminding me it's an 8.15 podcast just made me feel sympathy for uh, the travelling masses again. Is there, a, is there a train back home to, to Newcastle after that? It'll be a close one if there is. I, I mean, I haven't done the research, but I imagine that later on, a lot will be staying over again, just as they did for that FA Cup game against Fulham. The Cast United fans seem to always get the bad deal. Um, and it's as we discussed me last hour and I am on the Monday show, it needs to change. It needs to change, but it's a topic for a whole different podcast. Um, yeah, it's not so bad, Andy, staying in uh, London on a weekend, but staying in Birmingham on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, not not great, I imagine. But I imagine, Matt, that you are looking forward to, uh, well, it'll be tonight's game by the time this podcast goes out, because Aston Villa going very nicely in the league, definitely within a shout for Champions League football, brilliant at home, I mean, you just must be over the moon to get back to Villa Park and back to Premier League action. We've been spoilt, you know. I've never known anything like it. As as, as people who are watching the, the video version of this will know, I've got a few miles on the clock. But in my, what, 40 years of following Aston Villa, just, just a little bit too young to remember the early early 1980s glory years, winning the league and the European Cup. But it's probably as good as I've known it and I just have to kind of I've my I go I've got a season ticket and I go with my son who's fifteen and I just have to keep saying, Listen, just enjoy this. It's not always like this, as you know. So just savor every moment. Um and Villa Park, I know I know it's a cliche, but it, it, it really has become become a fortress for us. Um you know it's 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 weird because until we beat we beat Manchester City just before Christmas, we beat Man City and Arsenal back to back at Villa Park. The Man City game before then, Newcastle at Villa Park last season, I thought was a real statement. Was as good as as good as it, it got really for us. Um, I'm really intrigued with this one um, because obviously we got a spanking up there on the opening day of the season. I think we we put you in your place, like I said, at Villa Park last season. I don't know, Villa, are, I wouldn't say Villa are in a rut. Like I said, we've become really entitled and really spoiled, but it's not been as super smooth as we've been used to it being this season in the last couple of weeks. So I think it's a really intriguing game. Maybe something that Newcastle can take advantage of. The coming to this game, having beaten Fulham in the FA Cup, it wasn't a great performance at all. It was a pretty dismal performance in truth, but the win is what mattered. And the hope from a Newcastle point of view is that it can set the ball rolling and can get the momentum going and really kickstart their season. But they go up against a Villa side who are fourth in the league, Matt. And I imagine they're still looking up rather than worrying about Spurs and the other couple of teams behind them chasing them down. 
I think so. It's amazing isn't it, how you kind of almost review your aspirations um, and your expectations as the season goes on. And I think Villa fans starting the season probably would have thought, you know, we got into Europe, uh, albeit not quite as glamorous a competition as uh, the Champions League last season. If we can maintain that again and finish somewhere around the top six, seven and have a decent run in Europe and a decent run in the Cups, then that will be progress. But as soon as you, you know, I think, I think it was the Sheffield United game just before Christmas where if we'd have won that one, we could have gone top. Obviously, we blew it, if you like, and just about scraped a draw. But as soon as you start to see what's possible, the alternative now, you know, it's mad, isn't it, to say that if Villa don't finish in the Champions League places now, it's like a massive anticlimax where we're already probably two seasons, two or three seasons ahead of schedule. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely where, where our, our, our head is at now, Champions League. And, you know, if we can cling on to the coattails of those above us and be involved in the title race the last five, six weeks of the season, then that'll be brilliant as well. But yeah, banking that top four place now, I think, is the priority. It's interesting that you mentioned that Villa are maybe two, three years ahead on the project. And that's something that Newcastle United fans will be uh, well aware of from a Newcastle point of view as well. That's what everyone's saying this season. They had Champions League football and obviously the fall in the way this campaign in terms of you know reclaiming a spot in the top four, but they're only six points off six, so not all is lost. But are you looking at what's happening at Newcastle this season and kind of thinking, okay, hopefully Villa can put into into place something to stop that happening to them next season if indeed they do get Champions League football and have to go on a similar journey? Yeah, I think I think it's a cautionary tale for I mean, I, I think obviously Villa and Newcastle have had this kind of mock rival, haven't they, in the in, in last last few years. And probably followed a similar trajectory in terms of falling out of the league and then getting back up and then, you know, starting to to try and gate crash the, the elite. But I think I think the difficulty is that the clubs that are the established elite don't just have an eleven who can compete. They've probably got an eighteen who can compete. And even at Villa, where you know I, I really rate rate the Villa squad at, at the moment. When I say squad, we're probably talking about thirteen or fourteen. Uh, and I look, I look at Newcastle and, and like envious glances that you've got two two really really good Premier League centre forwards. Where we've got Ollie Watkins, and God forbid anything happens to him, and that you know in our own heads at the moment we're competing on three fronts. We're competing to be competitive in the Premier League. We you know, still in the FA Cup. Um, and obviously, we're we, we doing, doing doing quite well in Europe as well. But you take that one person out and a whole season's worth of ambitions could could, could could crumbling down. So I think that's the problem. I don't think that's why you're ahead of, you can be ahead of schedule because even if you've got that kind of dozen players who can compete, I mean, look at the, look at the, the injury problems that, that, that you've had this season. You scratch beneath the surface and you're thinking, well... It's hard, isn't it? But you've already you've already set the standards for the for the fans. So the fans' expectations up here. But the reality is, hang on a minute, let's rein ourselves in and have a bit of context about where we've come from, I think. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, you mentioned there, Ollie Watkins, a fantastic uh, forward, once linked to Newcastle. Uh, I think it was it was Newcastle and Villa in, in the race for him. It was around about the same time Callum Wilson was up for grabs as well. And Callum Wilson came to Newcastle, Ollie Watkins went to, to Aston Villa. But just talk to us about him. I suppose he's the man that Newcastle have to stop on Tuesday. Yeah, I think he's, he's one of those ones who, it sounds silly, but Aston Villa fans have taken time 
to really kind of warm to him. It's not it's not that long ago that there was this debate who should start. Should it be Watkins? Should it be Ings? Ings, Danny Ings was seen as the natural, be, better natural finisher, whereas Watkins could, was more mobile and could do the graft. I think, I think when Emery made the call to move Danny Ings on and placed his trust fully in Ollie Watkins, not only did Watkins thrive because he thought, well, that's a vote of confidence for me. Emery can do no wrong for us, so we thought if if Emery's made this decision, we need to fully get behind this this, this guy. And you know what Watkins will say? You've probably seen it on some of the interviews that. He used to be somebody who would work both the channels, expend a lot of energy for the good of the team, but not necessarily for the for the good of his own assists and goal scoring record. But Emery said, "Listen, I want you to be just as energetic, but do it down the middle third, if you like, and do it around around the area." Um, and I think Watkins is still, I think he's still learning, um, but. You know, he, he he looks destined, you know, if we can hang on to him for another season or two, he's going to be Aston Villa's kind of record Premier League goal scorer. And listen, trust me, that record's not quite a Shearer-esque record. It's a bit it's a bit easier to attain than that. But the fact that we've had a top-class centre-forward who potentially stays with us long enough to get that record rather than being snapped up and goes somewhere else means that Aston Villa are in a different place now where we can hopefully start to match the ambitions of our better players. Yeah, he's certainly a top-class player. And the midfield as well at Aston Villa is, is something special as well, the likes of John McGinn and uh, Douglas Louise. Do you think that's where the, the battle will be on Tuesday? Is it going to be the, in the midfield? I think so. I think I think the, the best thing about and again, this is me speaking with my old man hat on, but in, re, in the last kind of 15, 20 years, we've had like kind of tended to have one really good central midfielder at a time and then... We had Gareth Barry for a while and then he'd have moved on and then we had James Milner for a while. I think at the moment, in terms of a collective, again, it's probably as strong as I can remember that midfield since since the early 90s. And, you know, if you if you imagine the amount of money Villa have paid for them, listen, they're probably paying a fair whacking wages now, but Bubakar Kamara came on a free. Douglas Louise, I think, was about 12 million quid. John McGinn was two and a half million quid, which is ridiculous. Um, Jacob Ramsey, obviously, he's homegrown, so he's not cost us anything. Yuri Tielemans was was on a free. Um, so we we just seem to have, I don't know, just seem to have struck, I'm sure it, it was sound recruitment, but we seem to have struck lucky in that area. And I think there's a little bit of everything in there as well. I think, um, I think John McGinn, I think some people probably underestimate him as just being this a million mile an hour Duracell bunny, but He's a really gifted footballer as well. And I've never seen anybody who can be buzzing around at a million miles an hour, but still see a pass that nobody else in the ground can see, even when he's on the half turn. And I think we've got some really intelligent players. Um, and I think they've just really bought into what Emery wants to do. And you saw bits of it at Villa Park last season when 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 Newcastle came down. But that the coach has almost kind of not only educated the players, educated the fan base now, because when we first saw that that build out from the back football and we saw Martinez as a sweeper keeper, the natural instinct when you're not used to seeing your team playing that way is to think, just get rid of it, just kind of lump it up the pitch. But Emery's proven that more often than not, if you play the patient way and you try and control a game, then good things will happen, particularly at Villa Park. So... I think it's been, again, when I talk about ahead of schedule, I think it's been a, a real eye-opening 18 months to, to, to 24 months for us, um, probably 18 months. 
and having set the standards now, Villa need to make sure that not only do they have this strong first eleven, but they've got enough around the edges to to sustain what what, what they've started. Really, it's really funny because if you uh, change the. Uh... Club name, and you take away your accent, Matt. You could be talking about Newcastle United with everything you've said there. And it does seem like they've got a manager um, in each dugout who have totally changed the way that both sides play. Something that was, you know, in a style that was never there under previous managers. Uh, both uh, managers loved by both sets of fans, and it's just really exciting to see two teams with real ambitions, long-term plans, attacking uh, the, the so-called top six. I mentioned the midfield. You've described there the great players you've got. Um, are you worried about the impact that someone like Bruno could have in the middle? I mean, there'll be Sean Longstaff and Lewis Miley as well, but Bruno is nearly always the one that opposition fans and pundits pick out. Um, how will Villa keep him quiet, do you think? Hopefully, you mentioned Bubakar Kamara, and he's perhaps the unsung hero of, of that midfield, does a lot of the, the dirty work. I suppose, you know, sometimes he'll be the one who, who's slotting at fullback if the wing backs want to push on. So I think the 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 slight issue with Villa at the moment is they probably can be a little bit got at. You know, obviously we lost Toro Mings um up there on the opening day of the season, did his did his ACL, which was a massive blow in itself, and everybody's hoping he'll be back fighting fit next season. But in his place, we've signed Pau Torres, who has been a bit of a kind of Rolls-Royce of a player, really. Um, you know, one of those kind of players who just seems to spot danger ahead of time and and almost, come. careful what I say now, because you'll probably concede 10 goals, but, you know, almost comes, comes too easily, you know, great vision on the ball. But he's been injured in, in, in recent weeks as well, so it means that we're having to having to, to to go further into our into our reserves, which I've already said are not elite level reserves yet. Um so we've had Clement Longley playing in there, Diego Carlos occasionally. Esri Contra has been brilliant as well to be fair. But this Villa team can can be got at. I think we tend to be a different proposition at home just because we tend I think there's an onus on Villa to, to, to take command of games. Uh, but I don't. I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing game. I think it could be. Um, I think it might even be a draw. You know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. We we have, we have been so good at home that you almost become spoiled, and you're thinking, well, you know, I remember we, we drew Sheffield United and then we beat Burnley, and the Burnley game was a real slow burner. It really took our while to get going, and you just don't want to become that entitled fan base. But you, you're so used to the routine of turning up and winning. Um, so I, I hope that the Sheffield United and Burnley games have given us a bit of a reality check. January's been right. such a strange one, say, hardly even played. You mentioned there that the, you know, it could be a draw. I mean, I think Newcastle fans would take a draw if you offered that now to them. Newcastle have got a terrible record on the road. They've only won once in the Premier League, and that was against Sheffield United. And their away form is absolutely dismal. So Villa, given their home form and given Newcastle's away form, will be, I think, overwhelming favourites. But as I said at the start, with Newcastle progressing in the cup, it has you know, the hope has to be that that kickstarts their season. I guess the other um, player, Matt, that Villa will have to watch out for more than anyone would be Alexander Izak. We've talked about Ollie Watkins supplying the goals for you guys. It's, it's Izak, the one up top for Newcastle, because Callum Wilson is unfortunately always injured. 
but Isaac, he's just an absolute different class. Um, who's he going to go up against? And are you slightly worried um, at, at trying to keep a man of his ability quiet? I love him, you know. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's a really class act. And again, I think sometimes we don't, we don't realise what we've got in Ollie Watkins. And Ollie Watkins' numbers would compare favourably to, to anybody, you know, not only in the Premier League but across, across Europe. But I thought over the last kind of calendar year, but Isak to me just, he just kind of oozes class. Just his, his movement, his technique, his finishing. I'm scaring myself now. Just. Uh, just thinking about it, I should imagine the the, the partnership tomorrow um, probably will be um, Esri Konza and Clement Longley. Um, so between them, um, I think they're going to have a have a difficult um, a difficult challenge. I just I don't know what I, I should imagine. I mean, I, I love him, and I'm 200 miles away. I should imagine the, the fans are absolutely absolutely adore him, don't they? Yeah, Newcastle United fans just absolutely love him. Um, they've got a new hero. He's absolutely brilliant. He just kind of glides past defenders. And the comparisons being made to Thierry Henry, and you can just see why he's he's that talented. And I think the big hope is that he starts getting a bit more service because at the moment he's kind of feeding on scraps. And when Newcastle kind of get out of this bad run of form and, and, and things start clicking again, he'll hopefully score a load more goals. And fingers crossed that can start on Tuesday night. Now, Newcastle's game is largely built on the high press, Matt. Again, it's not really been there in recent weeks, months. It was kind of a bit better against Manchester City, but on a whole, they've been lacking. But if it does reappear um, at Villa Park on Tuesday, will will Villa be able to handle the high press? I think they 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 kind of positively welcome it. To be honest, um, you know. Uh, Probably hear me rave a lot about Emmy Martinez, and I know he's he's not he's not a, an opposition fan's cup of tea because he he's a proper kind of wind up merchant. But I don't think I've he's better he's he's better with his feet than I've seen some Aston Villa midfielders down the years, to be honest. And you know that that's that's part of the the Emery way that that try and try and get the get opposition teams to to come and press you as as tightly as possible, and then. Back, back Villa's full, well, centre halves, fullbacks, and, and and midfielders really to manoeuvre around them and, and to play through the stages up the pitch. And it's you know there's been a few hairy moments and there's been a you know there's been a few goals shipped along the way, but more often than not, it's it's proved successful. So I'm not saying that that Villa are immune to the press, uh, and I'm not 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 saying that it works every single time, but it's the way that that Emery sets sets the team up to play. And I think sometimes you, you get the issue when you have got a couple of players missing and you're bringing players out the reserves. Now you know there's no real such such thing as the reserves. You're either you're either training one minute and then you're thrust into the Premier League, or so it's quite an adjustment adjustment to make. So I think it's. Um, uh, uh, I think, I think, like I said, I, th- I think Newcastle. I think I don't think it's going to be a one-sided game. I think Newcastle will 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 come and compete, um, but I don't think Villa are going to necessarily change the way that they play. And on the flip side of that, one of the biggest issues of Newcastle's play of late is that when they do kind of stream forward, the gap between the midfield and defence is. I mean, you could drive a, a bus through it. It looked like against Fulham that they were told to maybe sit a little bit deeper. Um, but as I say, they, they weren't particularly brilliant against Fulham. If that issue of the space between the midfield and the defence is there on Tuesday, will Villa exploit that, do you think? 
I think so. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether whether Diaby or um, or Bailey starts. Now Bailey only got a, a few minutes at the end of the Chelsea game, which presumably because he's still still carrying a knock. But that is the the one thing that that, that Villa do have now in, in 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 areas. You know, the the fullbacks, wingbacks in terms of Moreno and and, and Matty Cash are pretty sharp and pretty quick. Um, and also whether it's Bailey or Diaby, Villa can Villa can break quite quickly as well. Um, so yeah, I think you know Villa Villa are pretty good in, in transition in terms of moving the ball up the up the pitch as quickly as they need to. Um, and I'd be interested to see. I don't know whether I've not got the stats in front of me. There can't be many occasions this season, particularly at home, where where Villa have failed to score. I think we've probably scored in every home game. To be honest. Um, yeah, they've got, well, they've got a brilliant record, haven't they? At home, um, so I mean, you'll be tipping them again then to get a to get a, another goal. I'm imagining. Well, yeah, I should imagine Newcastle have to have to at least score once to to leave with anything. I'll, again, I've probably jinxed it, and it'd probably be a nil nil or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's that it's that sense of anticipation, and like I said, I've been going going up with Villa for, for many years. It's not since the the early nineties that I'd turn up turn up to Villa Park kind of expecting us to win and being disappointed if we didn't and that's whether that's now kind of Manchester City rocking up or whether that's Burnley rocking up um, and it's all all down to that that one man who's come in and, and just restored our belief um, I see you know there's lots of managers isn't there announcing their departures at the end of the season and I'm just thinking please don't you know just let us we were just on the verge of building something here just give us I'm greedy. Give us another five or ten years of this man and see see how far he takes us. Yeah, I mean that's what many fans are feeling about Eddie Howe as well. If I'd said to you at the start of the season, and we'll chuck in those ninety minutes um, in the first game that Newcastle and Aston Villa faced each other, but if I'd said to you, if Villa beat Newcastle and the return fixture, and let's pretend we knew it was going to be in January, be seventeen points ahead of them in the league table, what would you have said back to us? It's remarkable, really. I think this is this is a kind of lesson to modern day football fans as well. Because you probably, listen, I know you, you shouldn't always kind of use social media as a barometer of, of, of common sense. But if you'd have been on the, the Villa hashtag after that game at St James's, you'd have probably had people calling for Emery, Emery to be sacked. You know, his head on a stick and that kind of thing. Um, but I think that that's that's one of the many appealing things about this regime as well. That we don't tend to, you know, we we don't tend to get stuck in ruts. Emery's pretty good, you know. If something goes wrong, he's pretty good at trying to address it and fix it. So, I'd have been gobsmacked if you'd have said there'd have been that 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 difference between the two clubs. But I don't think there's that difference in terms. If you if we're looking at a bigger picture and the the respective projects at both clubs, that could be turned on its head next season. I think if both clubs can show and can build gradually and Achieve at a level, but achieve at a, a level that keeps the fan base excited, but doesn't create unrealistic expectations. I don't see why this should be a fly-by-night thing. I think it's something that, you know, who who says that the elite needs to be the elite? Aston Villa and Newcastle, we both know it. They've got really rich football history. You know, they've got great, great fan bases and now seem to have, have owners who are, who are prepared and able, you know, providing we can stay the right side of these um, FFP rules to, to compete. So I wouldn't necessarily judge it on one season or, or three or four months. I think 
if it'd be interesting to have a crystal ball and see see over the, the course of four or five years. And I think the big thing for me, and it's not necessarily going to happen in the Premier League, is something tangible in terms of a trophy for one of the teams. Obviously, you guys came really close last season. We've we've seen seen what West Ham have done in the Conference League, which might be seen as a bit of a Mickey Mouse Cup, but there's not too many cups that you can win. And I think if you can get one of those trophies, so you've got something tangible to stick in the history books and you can stay amongst the top six for the next four or five years, we're playing in the championship against each other not long ago. So I think it's just kind of keeping it in that kind of perspective. Yeah, I think both sets of fans would would take that. And you mentioned very early on in the show about this kind of false rivalry that Newcastle United fans and Aston Villa fans had. It goes back to when Newcastle were relegated with Alan Shearer as caretaker manager and the sob on the time banners. Um, and, you know, I admit I fully bought into that uh, rivalry as, as a fan. But I do find myself now kind of applauding Aston Villa. I'm definitely not supporting them, but I'm applauding <laughs> the way that they're going around uh, with their business on and off the field, you know. And, and, and it's great to see another club really trying to upset the established order and I, I think I, I do admire the way Emery sets up his side and the way they, they, they go for games and the way they, they don't show any fear of the top sides I mean obviously tonight I hope it goes drastically wrong for them but as a whole you know I, I do applaud Villa for, for everything they're trying to do which might not go down too well with some of my listeners I don't think but nonetheless I, I think you know they do deserve some praise for, for what they're achieving so far under Emery Yeah I think I think I think part of it is that the top of the Premier League has been such a close shop. Um, there's danger of the the haves running away with it and thinking that, you know, almost the kind of the, the Super League mentality that they got it boxed off and nobody else could 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 dare to enter it. So I think there's probably a grudging, grudging mutual respect from Villa and, and Newcastle in that sense. I think the the like I say the faux rivalry I think was. I don't know. I don't. I don't mind a bit of the a bit of the the kind of nonsense element to it and. Let's face it; we haven't got that many. We haven't got too many local rivals, um, either you guys up there, or I suppose we've got Wolves, but that's that's kind of fringy rival. So, I don't mind a little bit of something that gives it a little bit of an edge, as long as that edge get out of hand. I don't. I don't mind a bit of that nonsense. Well, I do remember. I don't know. If I've told this on the podcast, but I do remember uh, my father-in-law is an Aston Villa fan, and before you couldn't get a ticket. Um, at St James Park because it's very hard to get a ticket in these days. But when you could get one, I, I took him to uh, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Stephen Gerrard was in charge. I can't remember what the score was. I have a feeling it was like 3 0 to Newcastle. But I remember turning around to the way fans and, you know, getting involved in what happens on a football uh, match, forgetting that my father in law was standing right behind me. And it wasn't until I turned around and had that realization, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that didn't go down too well. So it is the. Uh, the, the, the Musgrove Keen kind of derby tonight. Um, hopefully, Newcastle can come out on top. Before I ask you for your score prediction, though, Matt, just a word on Jacob Ramsey. Eddie Howe said Newcastle aren't interested. There were reports that Newcastle had approached Villa. Emery's come out and said, I want to keep him. He's kind of a brilliant player. Ramsey to Newcastle. Is it on? I hope not. <laughs> I'd, um, he, is, he is a really good player. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Ramsey to to Newcastle United is he's complete nonsense because he's definitely got unfinished business with Aston Villa. Um, I don't think we really realised how good he was until he burst onto the scene, and that was credit to Dean Smith and and Stephen Gerrard who gave him his chance to shine in the Premier League. Um, 
it's a weird one in terms of academies because you obviously want to want academies who can pump out players who can get straight into the first team. You know, that hasn't necessarily been been so that that often at Villa. We've obviously had a Bonlahor for for a long time, and then Jack Grealish was was uh, next level. But I think Jacob Ramsey. The fact that he's been, he's homegrown, he's one of our own, but he's been good enough to play in a team with serious, play regularly in the team with serious ambitions on Champions League football um, tells you how much we value him. Um, I don't see it make any business sense for for, for Villa to get rid of Ramsey, um, certainly to get rid of Ramsey for a rival who are competing around the same area of the of the table. Um, so, yeah, I hope that one's just um, newspaper speculation and nonsense. It seems like it is, at least at this stage. Right, you've said that there's going to be goals in this one. So what is your score prediction for Aston Villa versus Newcastle United? I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to settle for a draw. I didn't realise, I probably should have done my homework, but I didn't realise quite how poor your form was on the road. Awful. Awful. The form in general, Matt, is, is horrible. I think it's... What have they done? So they've played eleven games now. So they've lost eight of the last eleven. So it's it's not in all competitions. It's not great. Yeah, it was probably me being overly cautious because I'm I'm one of these kind of people who I'd rather expect the worst and then be pleasantly surprised rather than get myself get myself too excited. But I think given given the form, particularly away from home, and given Aston Villa's form, um, I think we should have enough enough to. To defeat you and hopefully uh, avenge what was a horrible opening day of the season. So I'll go for a I'll go for a two one Villa. Two one Villa. My head, sensible me, says it's a Villa victory because of all the things you've listed there. But my heart says a two one victory to Newcastle United. This poor run in the Premier League has to stop at some point. So why not tonight at Villa Park? Um, that's what I'm going for. That's the, the positive me. Uh, speaking and fingers crossed I'm correct and your prediction is horribly wrong Matt um, but thank you very much for popping up the podcast it's much appreciated to everyone listening if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news you'll find a dedicated match day live blog covering this very game and of course a dedicated transfer live blog running all the way through till transfer deadline day when who knows you might see Jacob Ramsey in a black and white shirt, although don't hold your breath um, on that. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys very soon. Mm-hmm.